time to check in with the Vancouver Suns, Vaughn Palmer. Good morning to you. And good morning, Jill. Good morning. Well, lots to talk about and the polling numbers that uh, we looked at. We've talked a bit about these. Things aren't looking great. Well, we'll get to those. And also, when it comes to the uh, economic front, some uh, not so great news. Yeah, the government's pretty happy with the polling numbers. It shows them comfortably uh, ready to form a majority government if the election were held tomorrow and the opposition is split between three parties. So you can't ask for more than that. Uh, we've been in power for, gee, you know, the Democrats have been around since 2017. They're getting a little long in the tooth as a government. Mm-hmm. So very encouraging. The economic news is not so good. So Ever since we had that flap over whether or not the budget books were cooked in the 1990s, we have an institution in British Columbia called the Economic Forecasting Council. It's a group of a baker's dozen of economists from uh, independent of government, uh, the chartered banks, other organizations that study the economy and make forecasts. They meet every year at this time and they give the finance minister a report or actually 13 reports, on what they expect uh, for this year uh, wrapping up in terms of growth and what they expect for next year. The Ministry of Finance pays pretty close attention to the forecast. Generally, when we get the budget in February, the government makes a point of saying we heard from the independent forecasters and in the name of prudence, we're going to go slightly under their forecast. So they listened to these numbers. Uh, yesterday's numbers were not good. Uh, Forecasting Council thinks we're going to have less than 1% growth this year, uh, for the year we're wrapping up, and uh, a half a point of growth in 2024. So you put those two together, that is pretty much flat. The economy is going to be flat for two years, and you know, the finance minister listened politely, uh, came out and said, well, we've had some good years in British Columbia. We have a pretty good uh, debt level compared to other Canadian jurisdictions. We have some room to move. She's saying the New Democrats are not going to cut program spending. They're not going to raise taxes. They're going to stay the course, and they think they can absorb the impact, as I said, Jill, of two years of relatively slow growth. Hmm. And and so trying to paint this as a bit of a a rosier picture than it it actually is, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, they're right about one thing. Uh, The New Democrats inherited a solid economy when they took over in 2017, and they've sustained most of those metrics. BC tends to lead the country in growth or close to it. It tends to lead the country in terms of a low debt load and affordability, and it tends to lead the country in employment. So the Democrats are right, Jill, in saying that, you know, overall, uh, province is in pretty good shape. It can absorb a weak year or two, and it can. The other thing, of course, is that next year is an election year and you don't want discouraging economic numbers during the year. But, Joe, there's always a lag in the full impact of what happens to the province in an economy. Uh, The audited financial statements for a year don't tend to come out until uh, June of the following year. 
the impact on income tax and corporate tax revenues, there's a lag in that because that money is collected by Ottawa and they then send the cash on to British Columbia. So same with housing starts. We know that the finance ministry is saying there'll be fewer housing starts next year than this year, but we may not have those numbers. So all in, I think the New Democrats are kind of fingers crossed. Uh, we think we can get through this. We're hoping that there won't be much negative fallout next year. Uh, they're hoping too, Jill, they can blame it on interest rates, which the province doesn't control, on inflation, which the province has limited control over, and global markets for BC's resources. Again, you're a victim somewhat of international conditions, not conditions here in BC. Hmm. I, I thought it was an interesting point as well made by uh, the BC United uh, former Liberal, uh, the finance critic, uh, Peter Millibar. Uh, he made reference to some of the projects or what or development in this province, but also said, you know, you can you can say, yes, it's uh, things aren't that bad, but people know what their household is like and people know how they're yeah. feeling about it. Uh, yes. And look, when we look at the level of anxiety out there, say the changing public mood around carbon taxation, that's related to cost of living. That's related to people going, what am I paying for? They look at what they're paying at the pump. Uh, the carbon tax is growing every year. Home, it's growing for home heating every year. You're paying this and you're going, what am I getting for it? Well, you know, you're, British Columbia is still ravaged by all the forces of climate change because British Columbia is only a tiny contributor to global emissions. Uh, yes, we have to do our part, but people are going, oh, why am I doing my part when other places aren't paying taxes as high as this? We have one of the highest carbon taxes around, I think the highest. So it's not, uh, the, the, there is, you know, if you look at where the trouble would be on the horizon for the New Democrats next year on the economic front, I think you're right, Jill. It's going to have more to do with the impact on uh, cost of living, household budgeting, and on that front, the government is going to try to give us back some more cash. We've already heard, because we got a confidential government memo about it, uh, that they're looking at a rebate or a freeze in BC Hydro rates. So, you know, if you're getting cash back from the government, I don't think you worry too much about where it's coming from. And you're certainly not going to sit around and go, well, you know, our debt metrics are kind of off the average now for the first time. That, that sort of thing comes later. It doesn't show up as a big anxiety in election year. If it did, the federal liberals would have been in trouble a long time ago <laughs> instead of right now where they're in trouble over the, from the people that are paying the carbon tax. Continuing now with The View from Victoria with the Vancouver Suns, Vaughn Palmer. And Vaughn, you were talking a little bit about the poll and those numbers that were released. And I, I found that really interesting. And you've pointed out the New Democrats think that they, they're getting making all of this gain or making these gains with the, the young people. But that's not exactly what the poll is showing. Yeah, the, break, the breakdown of the poll is pretty interesting. And, you know, it's a poll. So there can be errors and things change. Uh, you know, it's could be completely different polling uh, the next time. But this one is interesting on one thing, because the New Democrats have said many times that, you know, they are reaching out beyond the boomer generation. They're reaching the millennials and Gen X. They're offering them opportunity. They're addressing them directly on housing affordability and all those other issues, uh, student loans, uh, all sorts of issues around the youth folk makes sense. Uh, the boomers are not getting any younger, not that anybody else is, but 
the power base in the society is shifting to the younger contingent of voters. The poll is interesting, though. The poll says that's not what's actually happening in terms of voter preference. The poll says the NDP's strongest lead demographically is voters aged 45 and older. So the NDP has a 30-point lead over the second-place conservatives there. Not so with younger voters. With the younger demographics, and the, the demographics are spread out in 10-year increments, uh, with the younger demographics, the NDP's lead is only three points. Younger voters, you know, I think if you're a younger voter and you feel the society is not really working for you in terms of opportunity and housing affordability and career and future and everything else, you're disenchanted with the status quo. And so you tend to take that out on governments. I think you're seeing that federally uh, with the uh, interest that younger voters are showing and. Pierre Polyev and the Conservatives, particularly on carbon tax and things like that, and on housing. And I think you're starting to see some of the same thing here. So the NDP's effort to reach out to younger voters is widespread. And, you know, we get announcements every week aimed at that. It's not translating into support. In fact, it looks as if John Rustad and the Conservatives, with a little help from the federal Conservatives, have managed to connect to the younger voters who are a little more disenchanted with the status quo than, I don't know, over 45 or uh, old boomers like me who are doing okay because the house is already paid for and that sort of thing. Yeah, interesting uh, numbers uh, for sure. Uh, what about BC United and uh, kind of the, the struggle that they're having? I, I saw one yeah. of your colleagues putting it out there. Maybe they're going to put liberal in brackets on the ballot so people yeah. remember who they are. They have a branding problem. And right when they changed their name, and the name change took official effect right at the end of April, it was acknowledged right up front. Everyone knows you change your brand it involves a major marketing effort. I remember Keith Baldry of Global talking about how when BCTV became global, there's a huge effort to get people to know that it was the same TV station, just with a different name. So everybody knew they were going to have to have a rebranding exercise. It hasn't happened. Last week, we discovered why. A fundraising letter went out from BC United headquarters party's executive director saying we've just created the rebranding fund. So here we are, end of November, we've created a fund and we're asking party supporters to contribute to it because we have a very ambitious rebranding advertising campaign all planned. But here's the catch. The fund is empty. Hmm. They don't have any money. And we've known that generally looking at the party fundraising numbers, Jill, because the New Democrats are raising $2 for every dollar BC United has been raising. But you suddenly have, we have a fund, we have a plan, the fund is empty, and there's a warning in there to party supporters that if we don't get the money to pay for this, we're going to have to cancel the rebranding plan. Now, that's the kind of thing you do when you want to engender a bit of panic among your supporters and get them to contribute. But it also tells us, Jill, why you look at those opinion polls, the electorate gets asked questions about who you're going to vote for. They know the name BC Conservative. The Conservatives have been a factor in BC politics 
not always a major one, but they're a big factor in national politics. So you recognize the name and you go, yeah, okay, well, I like that or I don't like it, but you know what they're talking about. You get asked about BC United and if you haven't been paying close attention and you haven't, well, you haven't seen a rebranding exercise because there isn't one, that's, I think, one of the reasons why BC United polls low in the opinion polls And one of the reasons why BC Conservatives, which is at least a name people recognize, is doing better. It's not the only reason, but I think it's a factor. And you have to wonder, too, why, what was the hurry then to go and rebrand and come up with a new name if you didn't have the plan to back it up? Well, you know, I think Kevin Falcon got asked this the other day about the fundraising thing. And he said, well, you know, uh, there's, uh, it's, it's harder to raise money when you're in the opposition than when you're government. Okay, fine. He's been around politics a long time. He knew that. And you ask him about the polling numbers and he says, well, there's a lot of confusion out there. Well, <laughs> go back to why Kevin Falcon justified the name change. He said it was important to change the party name to end the confusion. That was his Hmm. argument. And at the time, a lot of people raised eyebrows and said, okay, you know, good luck with that. But yeah, it's failed so far because everybody knew you had to have a major ambitious advertising campaign ready to go with traditional and print media and and, and then the other kind of media, the online stuff, you had to have all that ready to go. Not only is it, it, there is a plan, we're told, Jill, it's ready to go. They don't have the money to pay for it. And rebranding, you know, buying a lot of time on television and online stuff and everything, that is not going to be cheap. That is going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it. And BC United does not have hundreds of thousands of dollars. No, uh, not at all. Uh, Vaughn, we only have a minute left, but yeah. David Eby, did he make a, a bit of a, a <laughs> <I love> whoops? <laughs> yeah, okay, so in the middle of his press conference yesterday, I'm listening carefully, and the Premier says, well, you know, the next provincial election is six months out, and I went, whoa, <laughs> that's May, Premier, you said you were going to wait till October. He very quickly came back and corrected himself. I, I meant 10, minutes, 10 months, 10 months, okay. Was it a Freudian slip? He insisted not. He was on with our colleague, Jazz Johal on NW later uh, yesterday afternoon. And he said, I've talked to a lot of people and no one is urging me to call an early election. And he said that includes his wife, who was expecting their third child in June. So the premier does not want to be out campaigning during that critical period for his family. He says, absolutely, October the 19th is still election day. Jill, I have to tell you, there are some new Democrats privately who are saying, you know what, the way the conservatives are rising in the polls, there is an argument for going earlier and heading them off. John Rustad thinks he's facing an early election in the spring. The premier says it's not happening. That was just a slip not a Freudian <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll have to leave it at that. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Joe.